Hey, Matt. Hey, Ryan. I am currently stuck in Guyville. I'm stuck in Guyville, too. <laughs> and I feel like you should listen to this. I feel, I, yeah, I agree. I think, I think we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this big time. Totally stuck that landing there, right there, man. So, hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are uh, we are a podcast called Hey, Listen to This. Uh, I am Ryan Kearns. I'm Matt Derzik. And this week, we are talking about an album called Exile in Guyville, not Exile from Guyville, by a uh, artist by the name of Liz Fair. Yes, a... Uh Album that we apparently this we're, we're starting to notice a pattern, particularly with the albums I've picked. I just tend to pick albums that are celebrating anniversaries for some reason, because <laughs> Yeezus turned ten this year. Now Exile and Guyville. Not only is it turning thirty, she's on tour for this thirtieth anniversary right now. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that whenever I was uh, you know checking the album out on Spotify, I'm like, oh, well, that's cute. <laughs> uh so yeah what is your relationship with this album man before we uh dive into this beefer of a track list i really don't have much as far as a history with this album per se um i had not listened to it before i had suggested it um all i had known about it is that was very critically acclaimed um i know i actually own the book uh, the original 2003 edition of the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. And I think this was around like 320-something on the original list in 03. And, okay. and, and, and in doing research for this album, I realized that in 2020, when they re-updated the list with all, to add all the new artists and stuff, they bumped this one all the way up to number 56 on the list. Holy cow, talk about like, you know, a, uh, a retcon <laughs> of music history there. Yeah, what, what, what's the term? Revisionist history? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so my relationship with this album, it's basically like, hey, this is an album. And I recognize the cover art, and I know that it's an important album, but, like, in terms of, like, my relationship with Liz Fair as an artist and, like, you know, the music I may have checked out from her before... I basically non-existent. Right. I, I will say I was familiar enough with Liz Fair. Um, I remember her song from 2003 called Why Can't I? Because it was part of uh, the Now Music series. I think it was album 14. Um, mm. And then a couple years ago, uh, one of my favorite music reviewers, Tom The Shadows, did an episode of Train Records on her. And her 2010 album, Fun Style, which uh, is a very different sounding album from this one. Um, and it's a very different sounding album from most albums for reasons I won't get into because we're not reviewing that album today. Yeah, yeah. So, now, before we even, like, you know, go even uh, into this record, I will say that, like, at least modern day, uh, Liz's influence on future uh female singer-songwriters and, like, artists as a whole, I've appreciated, like, you know, people that have been influenced by her. Like, you know, there's a group called Soccer Mommy, directly influenced by Liz Fair, and then even, like, a group 
this is going to be a major, well, major minor spoiler alert for the uh, my next album recommendation. But there's a group called Camp Cope. I feel like they're they might be breaking up soon, or they might have broken up. But like whenever you listen to their music, uh, that band, you can hear like, oh, this basically has Liz Fair's like you know DNA all over it. Right. So it, th- this album has definitely sparked. Um, and I, and I think a lot of it is, you know, attributed to sort of the feminism side of, um, this album and its lyrics, but I think also the sound itself of this album for how not just grungy it is, but how very lo-fi DIY it is, um, which we'll get into it. it it's, it's definitely a sound that was not, um, really big in the nineties are really big at any point. Um, even the real hardcore stuff at that point, like Pearl jam or even Nirvana had a little bit of a polish to it. Like you could say, okay, well this is dark and brooding and, um, you know, miserable or depressing, but it, it at least has a professionalism to it. This album did not have any of those things, maybe with the exception of a little bit of professionalism. <laughs> All right, so you ready to dive into this beefer of a track list? Yeah. All right, so the first song is Six Feet One. Six Feet One. And I'll, I'll start uh, on a positive note by saying this is a fantastic uh, album opener. Um, so. Diving into the title of the album a little bit before we get into the song, the song Exile in Guyville is sort of a play off of the uh, Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street. And this album really doesn't have a whole lot of similarities to that album except for maybe the stylistic starkness of it or the deep levels of it. But basically, this album, the similarity between this song and the album opener for Exile Main Street, which is Rocks Off, um, does have a very similar vein of, you know, kicking things up on a up-tempo beat. Um, mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where the similarities stop. Because this song relatively defies traditional structure as far as where notes go. It doesn't follow any of the major four chords or the four song chords for those who are familiar with that it, it, it's basically just Liz Fair singing what she wants to sing how she wants to sing playing the guitar as she wants to play and the only thing keeping things together is basically the drum backbeat that's it and I, I feel like that plays to at least what Liz's intentions were during, like, you know, the recording process. Because, like, the whole concept of being, like, the nod to Guyville, like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, based on my limited research that I've done uh, about this album, Guyville's a nod to the Chicago male-dominated indie scene at the time. And... And during the recording process of this album, like, against the engineers or the producer, I forget who specifically said, hey, maybe we need to, like, you know, use this kind of amp. Liz was just like, nah, I'm just going to plug into my crappy amp here. And uh, we're, we're just going to have a good time. 
Um, but yeah. So <clears throat> that being said, I do like uh, this as an opening track. Uh, very nice, like you know, '90s alt rock feel. And there's some savage, savage lines in the, those uh, first two verses, man. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and again, <laughs> not really even, you know, trying to like rhyme or anything. Just no, I'm just gonna say what I'm gonna say, and if it rhymes, cool. If it doesn't, cool. Mm-hmm. And and and, and now, again, no, no, you got. It. I was gonna say. You get the vibe early on about uh, thematically what this album is about as far as dealing with heartbreak or dealing with, um, you know, the general vibes of men in general, which to Liz's point is not necessarily a flattering picture of men or particularly the men in the uh, Chicago indie rock scene, as you had mentioned. Although it is fascinating, and, and we'll discover this more with other tracks, that the vibe I'm not getting from this is Chicago as much as it is like it felt like most of the album was taking place in Los Angeles for some reason or maybe like New York like right. Chicago doesn't seem like that kind of place where some of the stuff that happens later on in the album happens but we'll, we'll get there yeah now one thing I will say about uh, Six Feet One before we move on to Help Me Marry is that uh, the vocals they, they kind of can come off as a bit off-putting wouldn't you say i would say that but i would say that it's an intentional choice and not just you know i mentioned that there's a slight little bit of professionalism in here i feel like that's the the part that shines here is that yeah it sounds off kilter off-putting out of tune in a sense but it's done so purposefully it's not someone trying to sing and being unable to sing it's someone singing in a way that's menacing and goes against the grain and then that's and again i know some might hear that and think well no it just sounds like crap and that's fine if you want to think that you know listen to it for yourself and make that judgment yeah i i'm of the mindset that it's just not for me man like i i can under i can understand and respect like the oh hey like it's an intentional style and like there's one track later on that i I will point out that there's an intentional deadpan style that liz does deliver that does somewhat pay off to the nature of the song but like whenever it misses like for me like i i don't know man it's just not my cup of tea I get that. I can understand that. It's 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 not for everybody, and um, you know it, it is kind of funny though. Whenever you know we say it's not for everybody, and yet it's the in the top one hundred greatest albums of all time. So clearly, the public no, they didn't. They did not say that. <laughs> all right. Uh, so moving on to help me marry. Help me marry. Now this song, a little bit slower, but pretty much a continuation of the same vibe of the first song, at least musically. Uh, mm-hmm. Lyrically, it comes a bit more off as vulnerable than the first track, and mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I wasn't like knocked out by it, but I, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I, it definitely does keep that same kind of vibe from uh, Six Feet One. It's almost like she's riding that vibe, uh, and you can tell like it's gradually slowing down. And like you know, with the next couple tracks, you can tell like uh, that's it. <laughs> If it's a sequence of thing, if it's how she wrote the songs in that order, you can tell it's definitely intentionally um, in that direction. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, <clears throat> this song is basically about, like, uh, <laughs> Liz being like, hey, help me. I'm stuck in Guyville. Like, you know, there's these, uh, you know, these jerks who judge me and they uh, bully the stereo and they drink man they judge me based on my music taste and blah 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 <laughs> but one thing that i will say though that uh that i did catch in my listening of it uh in the verse is i love how like in the last two lines the instrumentation does change up it's almost like a highlight and hey we're gonna focus on this instead of just doing the steady like hey yeah i'm gonna just play my guitar and i'm just gonna ramble on for like you know three minutes and then stop yeah and again that's part of what i think is this album's charm is that it defies that conventionality it it defies the you know stature of oh i'm just gonna you know play you know verse chorus verse chorus solo chorus out again it, it just sort of comes from the heart and is designed to be as unconventional as possible now again i, I wasn't as hot on this song as others just because it sounded very similar to uh six foot one which i prefer but yeah. I, I, it, you, you did bring up a good point about how a lot of tracks on this album sort of just, you know, go through the verses. There might be a little solo at the end, and that's it. And it's just, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's not what you're expecting, but it, it works. So I, I feel like we've come to a uh, pass in our hey, let's agree on everything. <laughs> this is that episode, I think. But, I mean, we'll, we'll keep it clean, man. <laughs> uh, especially considering that we both grown. So, um, one other thing about uh, Help Me Marry that I did appreciate, I'm trying to give as much nods as I can, with, like, you know, valid uh, uh, criticisms, that in the third verse, the uh, instrumentation changes uh, changes up and uh, it makes it more open. So that's something else I kind of that caught my eye. But between like six foot one and help me marry, after how many times I've listened to both songs, I'm more of a fan of six feet one. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree to that. And I think that's just six, six feet one does have a bit more of a um, a slight bit more of structure to it. It's still not conventional at least and how it's delivered but it does have more of a um emphasis on introduction and help me marry does so yeah that's pretty much all i have to say about me marry it's 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 fine moving on to glory now this is the shortest song on the album and not necessarily the most impressive either um Again, I think it, it it tends to keep stripping away from what six foot one was. This seems to be a bit more stripped down. To, I think it's just I think it's just guitar and vocal at this point. Um, yeah, and it just sort of is a minute and a half of rambling before it gets to the end. Which I remember first time listening to it, I'm thinking, oh, so so we're done here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely one of the uh, shorter songs, and unless, like, you know, you're really paying attention to the lyrics, it does, like, you know, fly on by. And this song is 
uh, again, based on what I was able to research of what Liz Fair had to say about the album, specifically with Glory, this song is basically about the most intimidating guy she's ever met. And not much else to say than that. And, like, the only other thing that I will say um, to wrap things up, unless Matt has anything else to add... They, I love the echoes that because it's such a stripped down song, and how uh, in the chorus, like uh, that she specifically just says glory, like you know, multiple times. Like, I love the echoey kind of effect there. I like it too, and I, I, I will say the lyrics do they are a little confusing, but at the same time, they paint a picture of um. I almost want to call it trauma in a sense that she can like pinpoint exact details about this guy or these guys that she hated. The one thing I don't understand though, is I, I feel like the verse of you are shining some glory on me. I, I imagine that it has to be ironic, but at the same time, it's not so it's, it isn't presented in a way that, draws a fine line at least not for me um but again i, I think for a, a track this short it, it, it's fine it, it's fine it, it's i i do like I, I do like the echoes like you said um and it does sort of go down you know continue down that rabbit hole of of unconventionality and dismay and distraughtness that the first two songs provide so it's a, it's a track that does what it's supposed to do, but it's not necessarily a standout in and of itself. Yeah. So, moving on to Dance of the Seven Veils. So, this is actually one of the highlights off of the album for me. Uh, so, like, this is a uh, song, it's almost like kind of like a ballad that it seems like Liz is singing to this character, Johnny, basically pleading for him to get out of the business because essentially if he doesn't she will kill him <laughs> right yeah basically saying leave now while you still can because things are going to get ugly if you don't um yeah this this track was interesting because i felt it was this is the first track to kind of go in a different direction um or at least sort of rise up from the murk that had been established after the first three songs. Um, lyrically, I like it. Um, in a sense, it's not the bet the best lyrics on the album by far, but at the same time, I think you're right. It does present this story of you know her and Johnny and how he or uh, you know he's trying to do this thing and she doesn't want him to do it. Um, particularly for selfish reasons. I do think the lyrics get a little too... Uh, I don't know how to say this. A little too... artsy? Or maybe even like... You know, the the, the, um, the metaphor to Thanksgiving seems a little bit uh, snobby in a sense. I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it without saying that she just sounds like she's up her own you know what um and that's that's pretty uh, much all self, I, could... uh, I think the word that you're looking for is self-indulgent yeah yeah that, that's a good way of putting it self-indulgent you know like like there, there, there's like an in-joke in there that only she gets and nobody else does man so a couple other things uh i can 
I don't know. I like that little uh, Thanksgiving nod. Uh, I like. I'm one who may. I, I can border on uh, back and forth between like you know enjoying self-indulgent stuff. So like the line that uh, Matt is referring to is uh, "Entertainers bring May flowers," and that's a nod on the whole like you know April showers bring May flowers, and the whole concept of this line is that oh hey. Liz is looking to endure this storm because she's hoping that this Johnny character will just eventually uh, blossom into, like, you know, a loving and caring man. So, and, like, uh, other stuff, like, you know, that I, I do like about the song before we move on to uh, Never Said. It's just, like, I do like the instrumentation change-up. Like, it it does add to the sincerity of the track. And, yeah, I mean, uh, lyrics are pretty much straightforward other than the entertainers bring me flowers. Yeah. Um, I, I personally, uh, this is one of my favorites off the album. Okay, I, 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 I can respect that. Um, it's no. I wouldn't say it's one of mine, but... Again, I, th- I think it's it's a solid track in of itself. Yeah, and I, I I'm still like smiling in my head. I feel like we're gonna keep going back and forth. Like, hey, this is one of my favorites. This is the oh no, I'm good. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is the episode, man. <laughs> it, it, it might be the episode. Yeah. All right. So, ready to move on to Never Said? Let's do it. All right. So, Never Said. I feel like it's a li- like. With how this album is sequenced, like I feel like this is a lyrical nod to the previous track, being like, you know, hey, I never said that I'm going to try to kill you. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, actually. That's that's an <laughs> interesting twist. Um, I never, I didn't see this. To me, this song is such a uh musical and lyrical departure from the rest of the album so far um, that I would never have tied one to the other because this to me seems like the almost like the single that was destined to be because this is the most popular song off the album I would say or one Mm -hmm. of them this is a song that did get some airplay on MTV um, wasn't really released as a single as far as like a mainstream thing like it didn't chart uh, too high anywhere but this is the one song where everyone's like oh yeah I remember that one that one was kind of cool and I think even VH1 in 2007 named it like one of the uh, top 100 songs of the 90s yeah. so yeah, th- this song does have some staying power in history but it feels like just one of these songs and, and we talked about professionalism it's weird how you could tell how lo-fi the recording still is like the the drums aren't very pronounced, the guitar is there but it's not out front, and it's mostly the voices carrying this song with a very sparse backing, but yet it feels like it's bigger than the rest of the album. And I do do think that the hookiness side of things, I'll, I'll betray myself here and say, you know, the hooks, um, <laughs> do uh, carry this song quite a bit. But it is you know a radical departure thematically sonically and even lyrically too because I, I I will say that your your theory about these songs connecting is somewhat valid but 
even the amount of lyrics that are presented or the way that they are presented is more structurally convenient or structurally common than any of these songs on the album so far. Like, this sounds... Like, even if it's lo-fi, it's structured more like a traditional pop song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And which is to say, I, I like this song a lot, actually. Okay. I, I was waiting. I'm like, okay, so you're talking about the structure and the, the you know, significance of it and its placement in the uh, track listing and... I'm like, okay, does he like it or not? So, um, yeah, I mean, all valid points. Like, this is probably the ba- biggest single off the album. I think this was the first single, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm not a fan of the song. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and, like, because, like... For the first, like, half of it, with, like, the big chorus and the ahs and, like, you know, how the, uh, you know, the big, the big open guitar feel, like, it, it's pretty cool, but, like, after, like, the halfway mark, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of looking at my watch and my phone, I'm like, all right, is this over yet? And I, I don't even think it's that long of a song, man. (laughs) It's not, it's like three minutes or maybe three and a half. Yeah. So it's not a super long song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I really don't have anything else to say. Just, you know, I, I can I can respect this song for what it is. Is it something I'm ever going to go back to? No. Uh, as if it's if it's something that comes back on, like, you know, a Spotify playlist and, like, you know, I'm driving down the car, am I going to skip it? Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, there there are there are other songs on here that I can really respect and can get behind, but this is probably one of my least favorite moments Noted. of the album. Noted. Okay. All right. This is the, the 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 plot thickens even more. We are we are we are starting to divide a little bit on this. And, and, and that's okay, man. Like, you know, uh, we can't have group think and, like, you know, all that jazz. Like, we have to have our own opinions because, you know, not everybody's the same. I agree. I agree. Um, but that being said, I think I've said my piece and you've said yours. So uh, we can move on to um, the next track. So the next track is Soap Star Joe. Soap Star Joe. So I'll start out this one here. I this is uh one of uh one of the highlights off the album for me. Uh I love the harmonica that's in the intro and during parts of the song. It definitely adds to like the um the instrumentation, the compositional elements that uh Liz is capable of. And yeah. So one other lyrical nod, and this is this kind of this out al- this song specifically highlights how like you know relationships can change, in that there's like you know um, during like the spacey parts and more quiet parts of the song lyrics. Uh, the first set of lyrics I'm going to talk about is check out the dashboard lights glowing all green and white. He feels safe in the dark. He wears his blue jeans tight, and then it goes into Check out the thinning hair. Check out the aftershave. Check out America. You're looking at it, babe. And it, it just basically uh, shows, like, you know, how relationships can change. Like, you know, hey, everything 
uh, isn't always as it seems. And while like, you know, that person that you're with uh, seems like a perfect fit, years down the line, he could just be not not the right person for you. Yeah, I get that. And I will admit that this song, I like it too. Um, because you mentioned the harmonica and sort of the uh, sort of almost a desert theme type of sound that it's going for here. You know, kind of like you know, two people trying to drive down the road and try to find stardom. And, you know, here's this guy in blue jeans. You know, he's sort of this rugged man who's going to save America with his good looks. And I, 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 I will say the, the painting of the picture that uh, Liz does on this track is very, very good. Um, musically, I like it. Uh, lyrically, I like it. And it takes the format of an earlier song, Mary, where it just goes through the lyrics and then just sort of fades out into um, this sort of quizzical area of what exactly does all this mean and where are we going from here in a way that I think is better um, than Help Me Mary. So I, I like the song a lot, too. Okay, cool. Um, and the other kind of, like, you know, lyrical uh, highlight that I want to, you know, uh, give a leeway to is a line of spring from he's he's uh, springing from Athena. Uh, that whole line is a play on the mythology that um, Athena came out of uh, Zeus's skull. So like, there's a line where hey, he came out of Athena's skull. Uh, so like, I, I can appreciate that little like you know nod there. So are you ready to move on to explain it to me? So another another short uh, song, and yeah, um, yeah. I really this is a memory hold song for me because the only thing I can really remember is just like the uh, guitars and uh, bare percussions, like pretty nice. And the song is basically about the unrealistic expectations that are placed on people and the effects it has on those people. So like those people that are in like, you know, a, that are put up on a platform, whether it's a, like somebody that's in your life or like, you know, somebody who is famous. Like the, if you try to put these expectations and if they fail, like it's going to have a bad effect. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And again, this, track didn't like jump out at me as like one of the oh one of the best ones on the album but it, it's it's a, it's a solid track for what it is it, it sort of dials back to the themes of the first few songs on the album um bit more of a somber tone bit more of a um uneasy tone in a sense whereas the last two songs were relatively confident in its uh projection of you know who she was or how she sounded. This one sort of dials it back a little into the, we're not sure what's going on here. And, um, you know, I might be sure of how uneasy I am, but that's about it. And, you know, I'm not sure if you could explain this to me either. So I, I, I think again, it, 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 it's a functional song. It's, you know, a, a decent lyrics, but not a standout for me. Man. All right, ready to move on to the Canary? Because, I mean, we basically said, meh, to this song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is not something I will say to Canary, though. Absolutely one of the highlights on the album for me. I think this song is fantastic. I like the switch to the piano and the sort of uh, 
you know, sort of the dark, almost like they're playing it in an attic and the microphone's like 300 yards away. Um, that, that, that sort of very dank, dark timber of putting that on record is beautiful. And the switch about, I think, like 50 of the song where it goes from, you know, just sort of a doodling on a piano to something much darker. I think that's great. I think the lyrics are some of the best on the entire album because they are pretty much clear cut and dry of, you know, Liz painting herself as this almost, I want to, no, not even almost playing a victim to this guy's charm, this guy's, you know, sexual appetite. Um, the, the only thing that's lost in any sort of, let's say is the pseudo chorus, which is, you know, burn it to the ground, uh, deaf before dumb. And, and I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I kind of have an idea of what it does. But everything else that's built around it, both sonically and lyrically, pretty much just allows that to absorb itself into everything else without any missing any beats. I think this is one of the best songs on the album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... It's definitely a song that I, I have a lot of love for, too. So we're in alignment with that, so you don't have to judge me mentally on that. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, though, like the switch up to, to the piano is very nice. And uh, I really appreciate where Liz can step back from just doing that guitar strumming and really open herself up. Or really kind of flex her creative, like, compositional, like, you know, muscles. So, um, this song is basically about frustrations, uh, whether it's about growing up or then... It's about frustrations about growing up and then doing what you're told and just having enough of that. So, like, the chorus about, like, you know, uh, send it up, uh, light it on fire. It's basically saying, like, you know, hey, I'm going to just destroy everything. And, yeah, like... Uh, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this song as well, man. There's uh, you did you did an excellent job describing everything that I would feel. So yeah, you ready to move on to mesmerizing? Sure, let's let's go there because um, yeah, I have a pre- pretty much said what I've had to say about uh, Canary. It's again one of the best songs on the album by far. Yeah. So. On my first listen of this album, well, by the time I got to Mesmerizing, I I started to get a little bit bored with the instrumentation of, like, you know, the single guitar strumming and, like, you know, just the basic, like, you know, where she goes back to what I would almost consider home base on this album. So... Uh, I will say, though, I will give some nods to this song, though. There's some nice change-ups adding hand claps and shakers during the course of this. And there's a decent bluesy guitar solo. Uh, So there's elements to this that I can appreciate. But it's, like, a lot of this is starting to become, like, bread that you would leave out. And it just starts to get stale after a couple of days. I understand where you're coming from. And, I, I again, I don't think... Musically, I found this song to be particularly standout-ish either. Um, lyrically, I think it's pretty good. Um, talking about how, uh, you know, she knows that he doesn't know who she is and she's going to sort of rub that in his face. 
And uh, yeah. I, I like the way it's presented here. Um, but again, I I, 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 I I tend to know what you mean as far as the um, instrumentation being relatively repetitive. Um, because it can get repetitive, and it really depends on how you... Um, think of the first few tracks on the album as far as if I like this or not which I can understand why someone not think of that honestly I, I kind of had that in a sense if it weren't for that diversity later on down the line it's kind of how I felt about the last album we reviewed which was uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot I thought there were a couple moments where it was just like okay I, I know what's coming here so let's just kind of you know wrap this up and I could tell you it's sort of how you feel about Exile and Guyville, which is probably more, um, you know, to the po- point. But again, if you like the kind of stuff, then that's it. But again, all that to say that um, the uh, the song's fine, the lyrics are good, but it's not a standout track to me. So what I would say, like, uh, my, a thought that I had about this album uh, upon further reflection is I feel like if you were to cut out some of the tracks in here, it would make it maybe a little bit of a better listening experience. The album, uh, I think it's around what, like maybe over 14 tracks, right? Uh, this, this album is 18. 18. Yeah. That's a beefer of an album, dude. Like, <laughs> Like, not to to do, like, so, like, a lot of the songs in the kind of the same kind of instrumentation, it, it, it fails to, like, you know, grasp my attention. And, like, you know, I'm not somebody that has, like, a ADHD. Like, I can't listening, I can't listen to, like, you know, a longer uh, songs. Like, there was a album that came out this year by a group called Sprain that they have two songs on that album that are over 45 minutes long. So, like, my brain can, like, you know, latch on to, like, longer forms of entertainment, but when you don't do enough to change it up, that's where my brain starts to go, okay, yeah, I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna, all right, I, I've had enough, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So that being said, uh, one other thing I'll say about mesmerizing, and then we can go on to the next song, which I'm not sure how I'm gonna like, you know, lead into it. I just might actually just say the word because it is a song title. <laughs> well, I, I I have an alternative because I it's funny that you mentioned that because that was one of my first thoughts going into the day's recording. It's like Ryan is gonna have a really hard time today because he is a man who dives into the lyrics. Uh, you know, as much as he can, but at the same time, he also wants to make sure that this podcast stays monetized and this album puts that pairing of the two thoughts to the test. Um, I, I, I will say if you, if we want to sort of steep around a little bit, I would say call this fornicate and run. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just go into fornicate and run. There we go. (laughs) All right. So, what I would say, though, is um, a note that I made is, so the previous song, Mesmerizing, it's all about trying to get the attention of a person who treats her poorly. And what I made a note of is I feel like this song, Fornicate and Run, could be like a lyrical nod to that previous song, though. So, 
and <laughs> there was one lyric where, uh, oh man, during the chorus where she's saying uh, fornicating one when I was twelve. What? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I had the same reaction. I'm thinking, oh, okay. So, this is where we're going with this. Cool, cool, interesting, dark, disturbing. I'm not sure if you want to put that on record, but okay. Yeah, and like I, I don't know, man. I know this is another big song off the album. Uh, like at least from what I was able to tell based on like my research and like the Spotify, uh, you know, play counts. But I don't know. Uh. It's kind of the same instrumentation-wise. Uh, chorus does kind of fall flat. The only thing that kind of piqued my uh, interest is, like, you know, it was very story-driven in that, hey, this song is about, like, you know, casual sex and regret the next day. Uh, and the line about when she was 12 kind of definitely, like, you know, uh, stung me like a, uh, a yellow jacket. But, yeah, like, again, it's kind of of a meh. It's like a it's like a plain oatmeal song for me. I I understand where you're coming from. Unfortunately, I will have to disagree. I I, I know why you say that though, because um, musically and again, sort of structurally, it's very similar to Never Said. Um, it feels a bit more upbeat and a bit more uh, verse, chorus, verse structured. Um, that being said, you did mention the lyrics being uh, particular about you know the regret of, you know, casual nookie and how, you know, the, the thought, the, the line of wanting, you know, letters and sodas, you know, like romantic type of stuff. I thought that was a really good line. Um, I, I, I again, I, I wouldn't put this into the top three songs on the album for me. Um, it might crack the top five, but it is in the upper half. I did, I did like this song quite a bit. Okay. Um, I, I can respect the song for what it is and what it does, just not for me. Now, do I, is it on the same, uh, wavelength of, uh, like, you know, Never Said? No, I'd rather listen to this song. If this song came on a, uh, a, like a playlist that I just randomly chose and I'm driving down the car, I, I'm not skipping it. I, I'll, I'll let it, like, you know, just, you know, play in the background. <laughs> but, uh, moving on to Girls 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 not to be confused with the motley crew song <laughs> yeah so yeah so for me uh this is another one of the the lesser um more of the more straightforward and like a not as like you know dense of the uh songs compared to the rest of the album but i do like the change up in the guitar where she focuses on like you know just you know the lower end of it and one thing that i did catch when i was really diving into it is that there's like you know almost like a faint background like you know vocal line that almost seems like it's mocking the lyrics of the song yeah, I, I can see what uh, you're going through there. Yeah, this this is a little denser as far as the um, production is concerned. A little less uh, structured and a bit more on the side of presenting this ghastly idea of what Liz wants to get across. Um, lyrically, I think it's okay. I'm not like super high on it. 
Um, it, it, it's just sort of a standard track to me on this album. Um, I think the, the production is interesting, but um, as far as the idea of her being this girl who, you know, is trying... I mean, in a sense, it's her trying to say, I can play this game just as much as the guys can. Which, you know, is a fair point to make and thematically does provide a little more context as to who Liz is or, at the very least, trying to confuse everyone into wondering who she is. Like, is she the victim? Is she the bad person? Is this nothing at all? I will say it's an effective song in that regard, but overall, meh. Yeah, like, whenever you were uh, going on about, like, you know, the dynamics of, uh, you know, um, hey, I can get away with this, blah, 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 um, and you were talking about the gender dynamics, it almost kind of made me think about those background vocals and how, like, you know, uh, Liz is very forefront and being like, oh, hey, yeah, I can get away with, like, you know, this and this and this, and then, like, that background vocal could actually just be the, um, you know, a the guyville's uh you know gender the the guys mocking her for it so yeah just a a different like you know element that i just randomly just thought of and it might actually like you know bump up the song maybe by like maybe 0.5 percentage points in my brain <laughs> all right so moving on to divorce song i'm gonna let matt uh start the song off uh, I will say that this song is good. I will say that, in a sense, it is very similar in vain stylistically to that of uh, Soapstar Joe, in that it has a lot of harmonica. Um, I will say it's also, uh, the lyrics are pretty good too, talking about how, you know, Liz is trying to leave this guy and they're about to break up, but maybe just maybe give it another try or you know clear your head and let's think about this all over again um i love the harmonica solo at the end i would probably say this is another track similar to fornicate and run that would pr- that might crack top five but it's definitely in the upper half of the album for me um as far as good songs on this album you, you for those of you who are have been keeping track and the songs that Matt really likes and the songs that I really like and like to know the dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, again, trying to keep it clean, but, uh, man. I, I'm just going to say I'm not, not the hugest fan of this song because it's like still the same kind of instrumentation. And I, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I will say, though, like, you know, I, I'll give this song it's flowers and like the you know there's a nice bluesy jam session at the end uh and um there is like you know that harmonica and those crunchy guitars that i can really get behind but the rest of the song eh, um not not my cup of tea uh, this song does focus in on the microtransactions that people have hence the t- dead pan delivery which for those of you who were really listening in on this podcast, for one, thank you. And two, like, um, I talk about whenever we started the uh, album dissection, I talked about, like, you know, a deadpan delivery song. This is that song where, like, you know, hey, like, you know, um, just 
focusing in on like you know those emotionless like you know little things here or there that you, you do but yeah overall not 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 my cup of tea man I, I can get that i can get that and again i would probably say like i said it's it's not up there with like canary or um even never said in a sense for me or, or six foot one for that matter but i again i, I would say this song is probably up on the uh, upper half of the album for me now are you ready to shatter yes i am ready to shatter all right so so far on this album and let me just you know yeah yeah i would definitely say like out of all the songs on the album so far this is my favorite shatter is shatter it like you know I really like the change up in the uh, guitar strumming. It's a little bit slower. Um, there, like, I can really, I really love the extended instrumental intro, and the vocal delivery is very nice. It's very passionate, and this song does, like, you know, lyrically focus in on the the need to be with somebody, and that really just hits home, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I... I, I agree with the lyrical content, and I this was the point of the al- album where I realized that I like this album as a whole, because you talk about the um, the 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 constant strumming, or you know, sort of the, how this album for the most part is very lyrically driven and very angst driven in a sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That when it got to this point where it was just two minutes of guitar strumming, that was sort of you know, in this sort of echoey chamber like the piano and canary, that when I felt myself just grooving to this and thinking it was kind of cool and a nice little piece of album, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm sold. She's just playing the guitar, and I like it, so here we are. Um, and I do like the ambiguity of the sinister nature of the lyrics, where she's talking about, you know, all these little bits of revenge she wants to do, and maybe she'll do them. Maybe she doesn't. I, I think it's uh, I, I, another song where I think it'd be even closer to the uh, top echelon of songs on the album. I, I think this song's really good. Yeah, absolutely agree, man. So <laughs> talk about lyrical dissection on this next song. <laughs> uh, no, no, I can't. I'm just going to say the next song's called Flower. And it is a very, very horny song. Yeah, it, it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that, that's pretty much all it is. That that's yeah. all it is. Um, I will say, as far as you know, the I, I we don't need to go into the lyrics at all, as far as what they are about, because you know we want people to listen and all that kind of thing. But I will say I did like the choice to have the conflicting vocal lines where you have this sort of sweet, sort of high-pitched contralto voice, um, sort of the descant going in the back while Liz is delivering her deadpan lyrics of... um, lust and hopefulness i guess you would you would say yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the uh, the vocal dynamics and how, like, you know, like the song, outside of the lyrics, I mean, because lyrics, like, you know, this this kind of... It's, it almost kind of makes me uh, think about, like, you know, Kanye West's uh, I'm In It. And, like, hey, if you want to do a, uh, you know, a very horny song, this is how you do it. Like, it's a very good song, in my opinion. But, like, like the dynamics between, like, how, like, the, lo- the, ver- the, local, the vocals are layered. Wow, I almost, like, blended those words in together. The, like, it really does show off, like, you know, when... Uh, it does show off Liz's uh, compositional strengths as an artist. So, um, do you have anything else to add before we go on to Johnny Sunshine? Only thing I'll add is that we talked uh, for a couple songs, particularly I want to say uh, it was either Mesmerizing or uh, whatever. I'm trying to think, which song was it that we talked about where she was talking about being the bad person or that she could play the game just like the guys can. Uh, girls, 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 because the guy was mocking her in the background. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, this song could sort of be seen as a thematic link to that because basically she's talking about um, she wants to do things and I think she's delivering them sort of like a guy would. So she's sort of continuing this idea of I can play a game or lack thereof of romantic game as good as the guys can. And I think this sort of puts that in theme. But that's all I'll say about that. It's a solid song. It's a solid song. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, so moving on to Johnny Sunshine. So I would say lyrically, it, this is... This might add, this might bump up, like, as much as I'm thinking about this, like, this might actually bump up the album by, like, one point for me for how much I'm, like, saying, hey, this song is a nod to this song, or this song is a nod to that song, because it, it does show, like, you know, um, it does show, like, an, an artist's compositional strengths, and, like, you know, to basically have this song can't stand on its own but it almost seems like it's a continuation of this other song but uh for the for just getting straight to the point though because i feel like i'm just like you know vamping for a very long time here so this song is a lyrically a nod to the song dance of the seven veils uh so that song is basically dance of the seven veils was basically liz being like hey john get out of the business or i will kill you well, I feel like this song is basically like, hey, I like I'm gonna kill you, <laughs> um, or like it's getting to the tipping point because his lyrics were talking about um, he killed the cat, burned it in antifreeze, dumped it in the trunk with the rest of the cattle feed. You took the house, you went and changed the locks. Now I'm stuck living out of a box. So. That being said, like I do like the um, how she layers the vocals in this, and it's this decent change up. Um, just that same kind of instrumentation, man. Like that's that's my big like you know like, and what I mean instrumentation, like it's the same kind of guitar strumming like rapid that I can't get behind. Yeah, my so. my views on this song are a little different, not as far as like 
Mike's like, I'm not saying this song is like, oh, I want to. I actually hated this song in the first few minutes I heard it because the way that she delivers the lyrics, like, very, you know, to the point as far as you took the car, it was my favorite one, Little White Dart, and drove it to Idaho. Like, I did not like that at all at first. <laughs> But then when she added the layers of the vocals, it sort of put everything into context. And it was a nice continuation from the previous song, Flower, which had done the same thing. I think that's a nice connection there. Um, and then it just sort of grew on me. And, and that, I could say that for a few songs on this album where at first I was like, eh. But then it kind of grew on me. I was like, okay, no, it's, it's fine. I, I dig it. Um, I will say that the end of the song that sort of pulls back that sort of... A rhythmic pulse that the star of the song had I'm not a huge fan of where it's just the vocals in the chorus and around yeah. it's fine but it's it's not I, I went from not liking the song to liking the song to kind of not really feeling the song at that point so I would say that this song's probably on the uh, lower half of uh, the album for me like it, it, it does it does effectively paint a picture of you know sort of the sequel to um, Dance of the Seven Veils as you had said um, but not for me. Yeah, yeah. So, ready to move on to Gunshy? Alright, so, that being said, before we even go on from here, like, I thought this episode was going to be a, a long episode, considering how long the album is, in terms of track listings, oh, well, in terms of number of tracks, but I feel like we're we're going at this in a pretty good pace, so I, I'm proud of us. <laughs> so the uh, song "Gunshy," it's it, it showcases you know Liz's uh, more quiet, intimate side, and it's an interesting change up um, when like in term well like these compositional like you know elements where like she talks about being gun shy. Um, it's like it. Uh, it almost becomes like a staccato rhythm. And I saw this as a lyrical, well, like, uh, connection to the song Canary, where in that song, Liz was basically like, hey, um, I'm tired of just p putting up with your crap. Like, you know, I, uh, I, I clean my mouth because a uh, foam comes out to this song basically being like, well, I'm actually kind of contemplating murder. Interesting. Here. Interesting, because that's... I'm I'm not seeing it the same way that you are. I will see that um, maybe this is a converse into Canary as far as maybe she's contemplating a different side of her as maybe she wants to change her life and do something domestic. I didn't see the murder theme in there at all. But I think part of that is also the production on this particular song and the structure of the song which is more stripped down than the other songs. It's just her and her guitar at this point. Um, and there is some interesting things like tempo changes and stuff. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you, this is my least favorite song on the album. It's uh, I, can, I, can get, I can get behind that, though, man. I, uh, it's definitely um, not, not really a standout track, though. Like I, I think I only had like, a couple of notes on it, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, like I think the lyrics are pretty good, but again, the, the, the sound of it... It just sounds menacing and droll in just like the wrong way. Like it's it's not entertaining, um, and the and, and and probably the biggest point to that is the end of the song where 
It's just her saying gun shy, gun shy, gun shy, Tom Ford. Like, you can't. <laughs> you can't just re- re- repeat a line over and over again and think you're going to get away with it, especially when it's presented in this sort of hush of a whisper, you know? Like, if there was a bit more momentum, like, like this is a song that really could have used sort of a swoop underneath or maybe even a solo at the end. And there's really nothing there. It just sort of, you know, like, like if, like if somebody you didn't know performed this song at a karaoke night or, or, or an open mic night with their guitar, you wouldn't clap. You ask them to go seek help. And it, it just, again, definitely not for me. Like I said, this is probably my least favorite song on the album. All right. So moving on to Stratford on Guy. So I'm gonna let Matt lead this one off. Um, so this song is a lot different. It's it's very much an outlier from the rest of the track, or excuse me, from the rest of the album, in that it really isn't about relationships so much as much as it is just a song about taking a trip to Chicago. And I and I, I will say that the Lyrics here are very, very good as far as painting a picture of, you know... Have you ever been to Chicago, Ryan? No, no. I have family that lives there, so maybe one day, but as of right now, no. Okay. Um, I have had the privilege a couple times of going up to the... uh, I guess it's called the Willis Tower now and seeing, like, Chicago and, like, all the surrounding area from way up top. And when she talks about how how the earth looked like it was from lit from within like a poorly assembled electrical ball. Like I can, I can envision like the skyline of Chicago and just the mass amounts of lights throughout the city looking like that. I think I thought that was a great lyric. Um, but as far as the rest of it, it's fine. Um, it does have a nice little backing track to it. I don't know if I would, I definitely wouldn't put this in the top five. I might put it in the top half. Okay. So, lyrically, this song does focus on, like, you know, you're talking about, like, you know, taking that trip to Chicago, man. And the way that I was able to take away from it in my research that I did, I basically kind of inferred that this is Liz basically taking a breath um, for all, like, you know, her relationship issues and, like, all the storms that she's had to deal with and just pushing on. So, like, you know, um, that's what I took away from it. So, uh, other than that, I I feel like this is another chalk it into home basey kind of feel in terms of, like the instrumentation. It just feels like you know the same kind of feel that a lot of the songs have on this album. And uh, before we even go on to Strange Loop, uh, one other thing I feel like I have to defend myself on. Um, even though I really don't have to defend myself because, I mean, it's it's a podcast and I'm allowed to have my own opinions, I guess. But, uh, like, I'm a fan of, like, you know, um, you know, guitar strumming and, like, you know, basically kind of the same instrumentation style in that, like, uh, group that I like, uh, the Mountain Goats, for example. Like, John Darnell, he releases an album, like, every year. On occasion, he'll, like, you know, change up, uh, like, you know, what he's doing in an album. Like, specifically, like, on the album Goths, he eliminated the guitar 
and uh, just did a whole album without a guitar. And I, I, I gave him his, I gave him his flowers for that. But like, like the way that he's able to like, you know, carry a song and I, it might be just the fact that it's a little bit more structured that I'm not connecting to Liz's stuff like ah like with this album but like I can get behind singer songwriter stuff like it's not a uh, bane of my existence so I don't know why I had to get up on that platform but I'm gonna I'm gonna stop uh, rambling on about that so we can uh, experience some strange loop well yeah we can experience some strange loop it is the final song on the album and I'll let you start this because I I, I want to hear what your thoughts are first. <laughs> All right, so there's a de- decent enough intro to the song, and I can appreciate the change up during the lyrics where um, she's talking about being tired of fights. Um, but the song is essentially lyrically centered around the concept of like, well, we're both messed up, man. Like you know, the, it is what it is. And there's another note I want to make about this song, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let you uh, carry it from there, my dude. Yeah, well, I would say that this song to me is very home basey on my end. I agree that the lyrics do paint this nice uh, picture of, um. You know, sort of a resolution of all the themes that we've been going on through the album, but at this point, just kind of like, you know, it it doesn't it, it's it's fine, but it doesn't stand out to me. Um, I do like the line of "I always wanted you, I only wanted more than I knew," because it does leave a little bit of ambiguity as to what she's talking about still. But again, the theme of resolution is presented relatively well, so it's an it's an effective track, but not a standout for me. Yeah. <laughs> one of one, my last note that I have to make about this this specific song is what the hell was that instrumental outro? Like like it basically <laughs> it went Leroy Jenkins on me. <laughs> <laughs> like I can understand, like, I, the intention from what I was able to tell is that they were just jamming, but, like, dude, what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, that was all about either, but I don't know. At, at this at this point, I was just kind of reserved to whatever it was it was because I had realized up to this point that the conventional side of music making was not going to be employed much on this album, so... Um, whatever goes, goes. And again, I kind of had that same feeling with uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, where it's just like, I don't know what to expect, so let's party and see what happens. Yeah. All right. So that being said, that does conclude the album. And so we're going to get to the ratings and the next album recommendations. So I am going to go first. Uh, because this was a album that uh, Matt chose, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my original rating that I'm giving this. I'm giving it a five out of ten. Five out of ten. Okay. Yeah, and the reason being is that it uh, it it could have done without some of the songs on there because it's a very long album and it does grow stale on you and 
I can respect for what it's going for, but this is again a personal rating for me, and a lot of the songs basically kind of blended into together after a while. I do appreciate the lyrical nods here or there. Um, that's why this album's not, you know, worse than a five out of ten. Um, but that's what my gut is saying. I feel dirty saying that because <laughs> it's such a, you know. Um, critically acclaimed album as Matt gave the introduction to this album um, but yeah uh, 5 out of 10 for me um, how about with you my dude? Uh, with me uh, it may not surprise you that my rating is uh, somewhat higher um, and that I, I, I do agree with you that a lot of this album does sound very samey I guess the difference is I like the sameness of it in a sense I think it flows nicely with it. Um, and ultimately, I, I think the lyrical choices, while maybe not the most conventional or the phrasing, which isn't the most conventional, I think it just does create this tapestry of angst and um, frustration with romance and relationships and dealing with the opposite sex in a way. Now, I, I thought I was going to give this album an 8, honestly, but after further review, particularly this podcast... I'm gonna have to bump it down, probably about a seven point five. Okay, I can I can respect that, and hopefully my uh, you know um, pissiness didn't like you know influence your rating. <laughs> it it didn't it didn't because I, I I look back on it as like I wasn't maybe I wasn't as hot on that track as I thought it was like in the context of the whole album I would probably say it, it works a lot better, but I I admit like before we started this I was listening to like you know what songs did I like off this album and why and. Once I realized I had been doing that, then I realized, okay, well, if I'm choosing these songs over these songs, and maybe I don't like these songs quite as much. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my next album recommendation, uh, I mean, I'm going to stick with my Camp Cope um, recommendation. The album is called How to Socialize and Make Friends. So, it takes what... <sighs> Uh, Liz is going for in this song, and well, in this album, not song. Christ, everything's starting to blend together. <laughs> um, but it, but it does bring everything centerfold, and it like it might help that there's an actual like full backing band. But in terms of like you know female, um, you know led, you know alt rock like this is that album is a solid album to go from here if you do like this song this album and want to try something maybe a little bit more current day so i apologize for what i'm about to do but i am going to take the most basic of recommendations for the album i would recommend for those who like this album which is the album that not only uh succeeded it uh chronologically but superseded it uh, in presenting a female-oriented rock sound. And I, of course, talking about Jagged Little Pill. And the reason I'm going with that is that I can't think of anything else right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair point. And to be honest with you, like I also thought of that, but I've not listened to that album enough to be like, hey, this is a good, solid recommendation. So, um, yeah, all good, man, all good. So we did it, man. We did it. We, we survived Guyville. We, we survived Guyville, or at least uh, one Liz Fair's exile within it. Um, so uh, do you have an idea of what uh, we're going to be talking about next time? Absolutely. So 
the next album that we're going to be talking about, have you uh, heard of the artist uh, known as Phoebe uh, Bridgers? Yes, I have. Have you listened to the album Punisher? I have not. Okay, so that's going to be our next one. Cool. <laughs> so we're going to go a little bit more current day. Uh, Punisher was released in 2020, the year of the uh, pandemic, almost the year of our Lord. That would have been extremely dark. Uh, <laughs> so that being said, do you have anything else to add before we uh, send it out? Uh, not much, except uh, we thank you for those who uh, continue to listen, and especially to those who have gotten the word out uh, or have shared uh, our podcast with friends. Um, we ask that you continue to do that if you like it. You know, Give us some feedback, whether you like our sound or maybe agree or disagree with some of the things we say. Um, any feedback is appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are looking for a platform to give us that feedback, we do have a uh, email. Uh, it is tthaylisten at gmail.com. Also, if you're looking to find us on any social media platforms, uh, basically the same kind of tthaylisten uh, uh, handle for every single one, and you'll find us there. I've st- starting to become a little bit more active on Instagram. Uh, yesterday, I posted our my first, hey, this is the first impressions of this album. Uh, and um, it's a quick summary for those of you who are like, I don't want to listen to an hour-long podcast. I just want to see a gut reaction that um, one of these guys has. And the album that I talked about was a new album from uh, Danny Brown. So uh, follow us there and uh you know keep up to date with like you know the additional content that we're pumping out but yeah um give us a five star rating um yeah if you have any other recommendations hit us up on that mailbag and yeah that's uh pretty much it and cut